0: Welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitar's gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by These Knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon Wong, Pickups. It. And it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome, one and all. Glad to have you here. Wait a minute. On the line, we've got someone very special. Uh-huh.
1: My name is Zach Childs, and I work with True Tone Power Supplies. And I'm a writer for Vintage Guitar Magazine. And I'm originally from Texas, and I live in Nashville. And I'm happy to be
0: here. Hey. Wow, that was all in one breath. That, that was, was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> he must yeah. be a good swimmer.
2: Yeah. I'm always I'm a told good to
0: breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yes, we have Zach on the line and that is a result of a lot of questions coming in about power pedals or, uh, p- <laughs> sick. That's all am I, am I, I'm only 15 seconds into this. Uh, <laughs> so doing great talk. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we have, we've had a lot of questions about that. And then I, I mean, myself have had a lot of, myself has had questions. <laughs> of course. And Jared's had questions. We've all had questions. It's kind of a black magic a little bit. Um, yeah. One of the, maybe one of the five magics. I have to figure out the other four, but I know they're out there. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I agree. It's it's kind of a, uh, it, it's something that ev- that everyone kind of grasps at, and it's really not that complicated, but, you know, it's it's one of those things you really have to educate yourself about a little bit and then you can empower
0: yourself to really make good choices with your pedals. Very well said. We are going to get in deep uh, into, you know, I guess pedal board power 101 is what we might be calling this. I don't know. We'll see. But when I uh, first called Zach up, I said, hey, this is a deal and let's talk to the people out there about, you know, getting into pedal power. So. If you are a master of pedal power, listen anyway. It'll be fun. Right. <laughs> um, but I suspect that most of us aren't because we know as much as is dangerous enough, enough so all the LEDs turn on and then we're like, cool, it works. Yeah. So. And then hear buzzing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We have a lot. We've got a lot to cover. We've got a. We've got a really big show. And uh, first off, we're going to start off with what's going on this. We know we're not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention something really quick. We got a couple mentions. I want to throw out really quick that on October 15th in Chicago, we have a, an, an event coming up. Well, not we, the guitar knobs aren't putting it on, but our friend Johnny Balmer at uh, Alchemy Audio has put together a really great event, dubbed the Alchemy Audio Gear Swap. Alchemy Audio, along with dozens of vendors, take over a giant area at Fort Knox Studios. It's gonna be all about buying and selling and meeting other builders and enthusiasts and stuff. So it's like it's like a mini guitar swap meet. I want to guitar go. pedal swap meet. Well, I think a couple I of would. us are gonna be going. Yeah. Uh, and probably I, even I doing wish a podcast. I was there. You should be there too. I want to get <laughs> yes. a table and sell stuff. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. kind of the plan. That's we're gonna go over that can after even the swap show. stuff. <laughs> Uh, So more to come on that. We'll make sure that the posts are out there and the links and all that good stuff. I know that this goes out to a lot of areas except, you know, beyond Chicago. But I think it's worth mentioning just because it's something that's happening at ground level. And maybe it'll encourage other people to do those as well, if nothing else. Uh, so if you're in the area, awesome. Make sure you make it down there. If you're not in the area and it sounds like a cool idea, maybe you could start one wherever th- you I are. Think they,
3: I think there's a Fort Knox in Nashville now too. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Interesting. Really? Nashville. He's talking My about goodness. where the gold is. No, 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 no. Na- no the, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's on the way to Nashville. Hey, I like gold. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, but there is it's Fort Knox Studios. Um, because when I was looking up okay. the info on this, there's one down in Nashville now too. It's like practice
0: space, studio space. Um, interesting. Well, uh, oh. it, it, something right. else, something else that's going to be kind of neat down there is you got like food trucks and beer trucks and now you're it's talking got all kinds of stuff. English. Yeah. yeah it's that's like what big,
1: I was going to say. Now you're talking my language yep. too.
0: It's a, it's a house. big guitar and pedal
2: circus. I'm very excited. Yeah. There's nothing better than feasting your eyes on a huge amount of gear instead of just looking at a screen all day. I'm I'm while sipping right a beer. Exactly. That's right. You got to yes. you got to touch the gear. That's right. exactly. Yeah, you got to
0: uh, I think Tony might have something for us too.
3: I would like to say something. Yes.
0: To all of our listeners. <laughs> yes. And subscribers. Okay, now make right. make sure I don't have to edit this th- 20 minute speech down to you know
3: I, I will do my best. Okay. But I feel Have I'm fun very it. passionate
0: okay, do about it. this particular cause. Excellent. We
3: really like we enjoy doing this and, and this podcasting gonna be a long out.
0: One. I can feel it.
3: Podcasting outwards to the world. Yes. If if all of our listeners and subscribers like what we're doing, you can really show your support by becoming a patron on Patreon. Com. For, the, for for less than a, a couple of strings cost, or maybe even a really nice set of elixir-coated strings. Oh, I
2: like, those. I like those a lot. You
3: know, you can help keep this podcast going and growing, and you can get one of our really cool guitar knob T-shirts yep. as part of the deal. And there are uh, different levels. They're the good ones, too. They're not crappy T-shirts. No, these are, these are good T-shirts. I have one, and it works. So... How can you help? Well, you can show your support at Patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. and I know we all really appreciate uh, you sharing in our experiences, hopping on Facebook, letting us know about different things, taking the you know the little quizzes and and little yeah. questions that we post towards you, and uh, we really do look forward to your continued
2: support. We go on there too now. We, we do. go on there and we comment see, and talk to everybody. We
3: see all. So please, help us out and uh, do some good Right for the world of guitars.
0: Very well done. Thank you. Okay. That's all I got. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay. Uh, Tony, you're on a roll. So Jared, why don't you tell us what's going on in your music (laughs) world this week? I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I bought it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay.
2: The the, uh, Gibson Hummingbird. I talked about last week. I
0: want I, one of these days he's going to come in with something it. that he hasn't talked about.
2: No, I'm going to talk about this, but it it branches over to a new topic. Okay. So I bought the guitar. It's everything I want it to be. It's just whatever. I already went about it last week. So um, now I'm at the point where I've got an old vintage instrument and. The guitar has never had a knob uh i'm sorry a strap button uh put towards the uh the heel the neck heel where they usually are on any guitar really and on acoustics that's right and I hate i don't like the feel of the strap being uh tied to the headstock to the headstock i we're going to fill in
0: feeling. all your words for you <laughs> thank you I need yeah. that i,
1: I I agree wholeheartedly. I, I bought a Waterloo guitar yeah. that you know it's not a vintage guitar, but it's a vintage style guitar, and it didn't have a, a strap button, you know, on the heel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I tried that, you know, connecting to the headstock. It was awful. It's just, the balance yeah. is bizarre. Yeah, it, it,
2: it's a weird feeling, and you're thinking about that instead of playing. So, exactly. And that's I, why Johnny Cash played up by the end of the fretboard.
1: because <laughs> yeah. that's just, and that's it shifts say, everything
2: dr- down. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that's when you got to say, drill, baby, drill.
2: Yeah. 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 That's probably what I'm going to do. But I just, I wanted to bring this
0: topic up. I mean, it's it's not, it's, you already have a new top on the thing. So I don't think putting a screw in there is going to hurt you too much.
2: But if you saw it, I mean, they extracted the old top and kept the original binding uh, the, I know Tony's giving me a face right now. Wait, I sh- should have brought it in, but I was just too nervous to bring it in because it's, I just got it, you know. But it has the original binding, and they they somehow—I don't know how they did it. And that's one thing Dan won't do is re- Tony. Trust me, no, I'm, I'm it, shaking my head too. No, that, <laughs> this is awesome. Now I have to bring it next time. You should have just brought it this time. I know, but it, <laughs> you guys are just messing with me. No, so uh yeah, I'll probably drill the thing, but it's it's a 62, it's in really great condition. Um it sounds amazing and probably better than it did originally. Well, uh, as
3: as we discussed, I think the the smartest and safest thing to do is to drill into the bottom of the heel, which usually has a little piece of plastic. There's no plastic there. It's just wood. All right. Well, it could it can be disguised rather than going into the side of the yeah, the neck
2: or to the side of the guitar. Yeah, if it's up on the the thing, I don't like about it. If I were to drill it on the bottom, though, it would be sitting on it in the case, yeah. right? Yeah, that it does. I, I don't. And my dad's '69 Dove that he, I think he did this some years ago. He actually drilled it up on, you know, uh, not on the bottom, but the side. Yeah. In that way, and it's it's held up. It's never came out. It's no,
3: it's it's perfectly fine. But if you ever wanted to take it off, you can't disguise it.
0: Yeah.
2: That, that's, yeah. that's 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 my only point. But let me ask you this. That's a X. Who in the world
0: you <laughs> need a shirt that says that. Well, let me Let's ask you hands this. all up. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay, you go ahead. That. Who's gonna want
2: who's gonna want the guitar that you can't put a strap to and you have to put yeah, who's gonna want a guitar that has neck.
3: a has a new top no. on it? Yeah.
1: No, <laughs> the guitar the guitar already has a new top on it. It's not pristine. Yeah, no. it's a obviously, I mean, I'm sure it's a fantastic guitar, but it's like at that point, you can drill on that and it's not going to hurt the value. Well, of course, you I'm know? not but worried only, about the value. It, yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: You could put another sound hole
2: in it and it wouldn't hurt the value. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I just... <laughs> I, I'm going to get you back, man. You, you've been crapping all over my guitar. I should have brought
3: it in. No, I'm sure it's a great piece. I know. I mean, it I, mean I, I knew I, you wouldn't go after it. So wholeheartedly if it wasn't. Yeah, it is. We're just giving you a little grief. Yeah, give you a lot of grief.
0: I like it. I'll get you back. Yeah, I'm just surprised you bought a Chinese guitar, but. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, why don't don't you jump in here? Tell us what's going on in your music world this week. uh, Well,
1: let's see. You know, of course, it's, it's work related. We've been we've been launching a new power supply, and this is a, a smaller one spot Pro that will fit under like a pedal train Metro. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's thinner and slimmer. Uh, you can you know put it mounted on top of a pedal board and and still put pedals on top of it because it's thin, it's isolated. So we've been uh, you know kind of getting out the info on that. So it'll fit been, under
0: a Metro. That's what I have. Yeah. Yeah, but so I have this. I have the uh, one spot seven, and that it thing's it's pretty tall.
1: Yeah, this one's this one's thinner. It'll fit like the the thinner you know metros like the Metro twenty four yep. or the or the Nano or the Nano Plus. It, it will fit yeah, underneath there, and uh, that might be the one I want. Yeah, and it's all, it's got six outputs. They're all isolated. Uh, a couple of them are high milliamp. Uh, you can switch between you know nine or twelve and eighteen on a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I've been been getting out the word. You know, it's funny. You know, you have to write up a press release and send it out to the guitar magazines and you know all and uh, you know and try to try to get the word out and get the word out to your you know dealers and distributors and uh, well, make know, sure you then,
0: you get the word out on on our uh, Facebook group. Okay. Yeah, yeah, make sure you send, send, send something to me and I'll I'll put it out there or you can just yeah. post it yourself. Do whatever you want.
1: Okay. And then uh, otherwise I'm a I'm a Telecaster fanatic. I love Telecasters and one of my Telecaster friends has got named Red Volkart. that Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I called up Red this week to just pick his brain on on some stuff and so it was just fun to have an excuse to, to talk to Red about, you know, Telecasters because he's, he's one of the guys. And so, you know, so that was a lot of fun. So that, that's kind of, that was my week. His,
0: his fingers have license plates. They're so big.
1: <laughs> yes, they are. They're, they're,
0: yeah. You but may it, need they're, a passport to go from one geez. finger to the other. I'm not sure. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing to watch him play. And you're like, how is this happening? How yeah. is that possible? Yeah.
1: I, I played with him once. And, uh, and it was very humbling to play with him for about two hours. Oh you know? man, and, wow. and Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous, because it's like you don't want to follow him, you know, play, oh. you know <laughs> taking a turn on a solo, you know. And <laughs>
0: you know, for, for maybe some of the newer players or younger um, audience, people in the audience, or just people that aren't familiar maybe with that style of music, um, can you just give like a brief description of like you know, what is Red? Okay, great question.
1: Red is a very, you know, kind of traditional kind of honky tonk Bakersfield uh, Telecaster player, meaning he plays a telly, uh, plays a lot of uh, Western swing, which is kind of a cross between hillbilly music and and kind of swing music, Mm -hmm. Uh, plays a lot of honky tonk music, kind of like Merle Haggard and George Jones. Uh, you know, he'll play the the swing stuff on the neck pickup. He'll play the twangy stuff on the on the bridge pickup. And he does, you know, behind the nut bends and all sorts of pedal steel bends where he's holding a couple of notes still while he has another note that's being bent. Uh, he's he's one of the best at you know at kind of the country Telecaster style of playing that's usually played. Uh, it's usually played fairly clean, usually, you know, a, a black guard or an old Fender Tele mm-hmm. through some type of clean Fender amp and with minimal effects, maybe some
0: compression and delay. Lots of double stops.
1: Yes. Yeah, <laughs> bend, Bending and double stops oh, yeah. and, and yeah, you know, lots of passing notes and, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and he's a, you know, I've never met him, but I've watched enough, you know, I'm like, what a character, you know? Yes. Um, Very larger guy. than life type of person. So I would encourage you if you aren't familiar with his playing and you want to see some real guitar magic, uh, get on YouTube and look for red. And can you, do you, can you spell his last name? Yes. It's- his,
1: yeah, his first name is red R E D D. And then the last name is Volkart, which is V O L K A E R T.
0: Yeah. And he's, he's originally from Canada. He's a treat to watch. Absolute treat to watch. Um,
1: he lives in Austin. And, and you can see him play in the clubs in Austin. Man. He's amazing.
0: Just amazing. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to go do that, <laughs> like, right now. that. Yeah.
2: I want to go to Austin just because I heard it
0: was weird. It is. Yeah. They're, they're trying to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, yeah. Whoa. So keep say, it weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, All right. Yeah. Tony, what do you got?
3: Well, I, 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 among other things, but this was, this was a, a, a pleasant surprise this week. Uh, after last week's podcast, Jared gave me, uh, well, sold me out, we'll see. He, he wanted me to try out, but I wrote back, and said, I'm keeping it, how much? <laughs> ah. So it is uh, his take on a Charlie Christian pickup in a humbucker casing. And I'll let Jared give more of the particulars, but as I understand it, uh, Charlie Christian pickups uh, have a big blade, yeah. and there's magnets only on one side of that blade. Yeah, and so it only then creates a single magnetic field instead of having one on each side. One really large one.
0: Yeah, I've got a I've got a wiki page all about that right now. If you want me to read it. Wiki. I'm just kidding. He's got an (laughs) expert who built him right here. (laughs) Yeah, what what does Wiki have to say about it? (laughs) I
1: I love the internet. Everyone's an expert because of the internet. That's right.
3: (laughs) So I had a a 69 Tele thin line uh, replica, it's the USA Custom uh, Guitars body, that actually had been routed out for one of the Lawler uh, Charlie Christian pickups, but I think they might have made a mistake, put it in the wrong space, whatever. So I actually had to make a custom pickguard for it that covered up the big route. <laughs> Long story short, I don't all know, I had is to it? do. Yeah.
2: No problem.
3: No, 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 no. Long story longer. <laughs> um, so I was able to drop this, um, this humbucker-sized piece into the same spot, and I am just really thrilled with how it sounds. It's, it's, uh, it's considerably different than uh, a standard Tele-neck pickup. Um, it's not quite a P90 sound, mm. and it's it, it's kind of hard to describe. It's it's a pretty mellow pickup, but um, it's it's a really cool sounding, and it works really well with the with the bridge pickup too. Thanks. So, Jared, why don't
2: you talk a little bit about what what you did to to come up with that? I think I'm the only guy who's doing this, but I tried the P90. Like everybody else, built these things like P90s magnetically, so you have. You have a magnet on both sides of the blades. Don't don't give away your secret sauce though, Buster. Oh, I could. It's not really a big secret. I mean, I'll, I'll it's share up to it to you. I mean, I'll share it. I'll share it about them. them. <laughs> so everybody knows an old Charlie Christian is not even quite 3K, and when I say
0: 3K, that means I don't it's think everybody does know that. By the way, like I think very few people know what we're talking about at right, all. Right? Okay. An
2: old Charlie. Then listen to the podcast from what is it? Podcast thirty? Well, I think just I'm refresh
0: on. their memory. 20
2: right Twenty or something. Uh, the original Charlie Christian, like Tony, somewhat explained. It's it's got really like I think four or five inch blade. they two really long magnets that sit underneath the face of the guitar, and that creates a really large magnetic flux. And and there's even some adjustable screws on the face of the original Charlie Christian model guitar that you can lower. Well, basically you can tilt the whole pickup and that changes the, uh, the, the magnetic flux bloom, where the strings vibrate, where the relation is of of the bloom and the strings is kind of changes the tone. Not a lot of people realize that. So what I did was I basically put all my magnetic power on one side of the blade and what that, now it's not a long bloom like the original because, of course, it's, it has to fit in a humbucker casing. But still, it, the one I make, of course, it's not, I'm not going to give you the exact Charlie Christian tone, but I am going to get you closer uh,
0: than what you usually buy now, you know, from everybody else. But that's not something, that's not an everybody else kind of thing. Those are, that's relatively hard to find, correct? It's very hard to find.
3: Yeah. I mean, there are, there's just a handful of makers that are really doing, True Charlie Christian
2: style. Mine doesn't l- look so much like Charlie Christian, yeah, but but it, it's going to sound
0: closer. I think so. It's going to. Yeah. Eh, it, Zach, have you have you played any Charlie Christian pickups?
1: I've played one or two original ones. I've never played a, a, a reproduction pickup, but mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're very low output and uh, oh. you know mellow and, and clear. You know, they're not something you're going to overdrive the front end of an amp. I mean, you know, you're going to have to crank and you have to get straight up amp distortion. You know. So, but yeah, they're
0: neat sounding pickups, and it's
1: neat that you're able to get that sound without routing out half
0: the guitar. That sounds like something that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, Jared, maybe you can, you should connect with Zachy. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, if you want to try one out,
2: you could always, you can always test one out. Sure. But uh, because of all the magnetic powers on one side, you get like a real, you get more magnetic power than you actually do out. And uh, when that happens, it's you get a lot more dynamic kind of gear, more when your fingers, you know, rub across the strings or whatnot or any of that. Well, anyhow, that's what I, that, that was my week. I mean, I just, I, I mean, among other things, but it was
3: really cool to be able to take a guitar that I, you know, had, you know, I, I, lo- I really liked the guitar, but yeah. now I like it a lot more.
0: That's good. Thank you. I like that. How about you, Todd? I'd like to try one of those. We had had an episode, an early episode with with our friend Chris Graham, uh, who brought in a whole mess of capos. And we had a big capo discussion, and we talked about what works, what doesn't, why, et cetera, et cetera. I have still not been super happy with the way that my capos work. I feel like I'm always getting buzzing strings or I'm getting getting weird. They just don't, they're not working for me, right? So I did one of those weird things that I didn't think I was ever going to do, quite frankly, but I bought something directly off of a Facebook ad because I saw it and I said, that looks interesting. And then I checked it out and I was like, wait a minute, this could solve all my problems. Well, some of my problems. I got a lot of problems. But, um, <laughs> the, so the, your guitar problems. Yes, it is the uh, the Greg Bennett glider rolling capo, and I have it in my oh, little yeah. hands. I've got one of those. You have one of these? Yeah, I love them. Okay, I I've never seen one. I've never seen one advertised. I've never seen one anywhere. It's always the single hinge, just, style, you know, I'm alligator mouth.
2: Yeah. thing. Now that rubber won't screw up your finish,
0: will it? No, and yeah. what's cool? So on the top there is a um, there's a, a a rubber roller that covers the entire fretboard. Right on the bottom there's like an hourglass shaped roller that essentially fits whatever profile you have, neck profile, even down to a V. So this will actually work on a on like a on a on a V neck if you happen to have an old one. Um, and it's got two side, two two spring sides. So what that means is that you have even pressure across all of the strings, mm-hmm. which is what the single spring things have been uh, problematic. Um, now I know that there are a couple that have yep. a clutch or a, a you know distribute that power, yeah. or you could do the old like, kind of you know. There's some no, old ones that, the, that go all the way across. Oh yeah, there's, the
3: real old ones. Yeah,
0: yeah. But anyways, so this is it's quick release. The the pin on the end comes right off, and you just stick it right on. And the cool thing is, if you watch the video, with his thumb, he's playing a chord, and then he moves it, and it rolls across the strings to the next thing. So he can literally, you can capo all the way down with just a single push of the thumb. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it was, it was like nine bucks, I think. Yeah.
3: Mine mine was in the in a case of a guitar that I bought.
0: And, uh, Sorry, it was twenty twenty dollars, nineteen dollars. <laughs> well, that's a lot different. You, yes, Tony, would you trust put, putting that on a vintage guitar I've with used lacquer?
2: It. I mean, I've used it on everything, so that won't that won't eat through the. I don't think that's not on there long rubber. enough. I
0: mean, unless you leave it on there, and yeah. then silicone does that. But you bring up a good point. If you have a silicone neck hanger. Mm-hmm. uh for your guitar if you got like a you know one of those Hercules hangers and it has a silicone that will affect your your nitro finish. Yeah.
1: Yes it will. I mean that's a cool capo. Yeah.
0: It really is. Uh so if you want to check those out go to glidercapo.com glidercapo.com and you can see he's got a couple really cool videos. I mean it convinced me and I bought one and I used it and I was like holy moly everything's in tune I got no buzzing. Yeah. It's easy on easy off and if I, I you know on a couple Tunes I'm using it with. I don't want the capo on, mm-hmm. which is convenient if you have a clip style because then you just clip it to your headstock. But this, you just roll it right off the back, that back nut, and it. You know, you don't want to leave it there too long because that can kind of m- maybe well, mess up your strings a little bit. I don't know your but, tuning. Yeah, it, it it's a lot of tension, so it could make you go. But it's 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 particularly flat. useful if you have songs that you, you
3: know, do the traditional half step or full step up. Yeah, for last verse. Exactly.
0: You just slide them up. Yep, exactly. So that was a real cool find. I was very happy with that. Um, I want to say one more thing. Okay. If anybody wants to try out
2: that Charlie Christian I was talking about, Mm -hmm. BrandonWallandPickups.com. That's all I got to
0: say about that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) What a sell. (laughs) Very nice. Wow. All right. Yeah. Do that. Do it to it. Okay. Hey, you know what? I know somebody who is ready to share something else with us, because it's time for... One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right, it is four on the floor. I love this part of the show. Zach, you like pedals, don't you? I love
1: pedals. I've been collecting pedals since the you know mid-1980s. Holy love them. mackerel. I like Wow. That. Yeah. Just just can't get enough of them. I've, you know, I've I've collected all sorts of pedals. So okay. I'm gonna take it down to four. These are the four essentials. And uh and even though I work for a pedal company, I'm not gonna mention any of our, you know, our pedals. These are just old favorites that I've had from for many years. So first off is the boss GE seven EQ pedal. And that's because it is amazing at just being an all-around fixer. You can use it, you know, if if you just boost the 800, just a little bit and a little bit of volume. It is the best, you know, solo boost ever. You know, and you can you can use it to fix all sorts of problems. Uh, Whenever you're playing in a room, you know, you set your guitar and your amp as good as you can, and then you take the GE7 and you you know and you and you and you kind of fine tune it even more. It's just, you know, to me, it's like it's under $100. Uh, you can get them modded if, if the one you have is noisy or something like that. Or if you want to make the, the frequencies more guitar-oriented, you can send it off to Analog Man or Exact Tone Solutions. But still, I mean, it's like for under $100, you have this amazing tool that you can use for, you know, to really help your tone out. And, and you know, again, hard to beat. So that's number one.
0: Number is that a, two, That's does the seven stand for seven band. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the GE seven. That's the uh, the
1: Boss has made that since the early '80s, and it's still in production to this day. Mine is an old Japanese one that I had Exact Tone Solutions uh, um, mod it to uh, to make it quieter. Aha. Okay. Cool. So, so number two is the Ibanez Mastortion. This has uh, kind of gotten to be a bit of a Nashville pedal. Mm. Um, are you all familiar with that pedal at all? I am not. Okay. It was part of the 10 series. It is a MOSFET distortion pedal that Ibanez made and released it in 1991. It was only made for about two or three years. It has you know, your normal level and drive controls and then it has a three-band EQ. So it has treble, bass, and middle. And so it's kind of tube screamery but not it has its own feel and sound to it uh, it's to me it's it's one of the best feeling pedals it's like it just has a great feel when you play it it's great for uh, overdrive up to up to distortion and uh, they're you know on the used market they you know they run probably they've gotten to be somewhat collectible so they probably run in the 150 to 180 range but still that's that's cheaper than a lot of the boutique overdrive pedals. But to me, just the three band EQ and the feel of it, it's just, it's just a great, you know, it's a great overdrive pedal. So
2: everybody has one down there then.
1: It has, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's gotten to be popular here. And, and, and it originally became popular because there was a guy named Leroy Parnell okay. and he kind of started using it in the early nineties. And then, uh, then guys that played with him or toured with him, You know heard it and then they started using it and uh, and it's kind of gone on from there so you have like rob mcnelly and all sorts of guys you know using it now but it's a it's just a neat you know pedal so that'd be number two uh number three would be uh the boss vibrato pedal the vb2 Mm -hmm. I i bought one of those in the in the mid in the mid 90s and uh and at that time they were like 70 or 80 bucks used this was you know before the internet now, you know, now, of course, original ones go for, you know, three to five hundred dollars. But
0: what? Yeah, I was pedal, shocked to actually see that because I was I was on the prowl for a vibrato and I was like, wait, what? A vibrato Why? pedal
2: costs that much? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But
1: it sounds amazing. I mean, it's just it is so, so good for like adding like diamonds or something else to a track where the part will you know kind of fit, but yet kind of kind of stick out some. Uh, you know, cause you can just have it where it has a gentle warble and it has a really neat function called unlatch to where the effect only comes on when you press the pedal down.
0: Oh, like so, a momentary.
1: Yes. And so, and it's got a rise knob so you can control how oh, fast it, it goes <laughs> to, to the speed that you've set on it. So it starts at zero and, and, and speeds up to the, uh, to the, um, uh, the uh, the speed that you've set it set it to and so you can be playing and you can just hit a certain part and mash down on the pedal and all of a sudden that warble comes in and then goes goes away as soon as you take your foot off nice so that's a pedal that boss put out in the early 80s and only made it for a year or two and then they've reissued it recently and i think it's you know it's somewhere around two hundred dollars wow so that would be number three and then number four for me would be the Boss DD2. And that's their first digital delay pedal that they came out with. Uh, it just has, it doesn't have tap tempo, it doesn't have any of that other stuff. It just has a great repeat that sits well you know, when you're playing. It just sounds and feels good. And again, this is a pedal that costs maybe 100 to 150 bucks tops. And it's like it's hard to beat its repeat and its sound. And it has, the DD2 is different than the DD3 in that it has a, it has a big delay chip in it that was also used in their rack mount SDD3000 unit from the early 80s. And so this chip is about the width of a boss pedal. It's a big delay chip, <laughs> wow. and uh, and it just has, it just has a very natural sound. It sounds less digital if that makes sense it sounds a little it's it's clear and has a little bit of warmth it's not i also i also have a boss dm2 which is the analog pedal from that same time period it's very thuddy sounding which sometimes you want that sometimes you want thuddy but the dd2 you know is just uh you know it's probably you know it's an amazing sounding delay pedal that's you know 100 to 150 bucks you know you find them all the time on reverb so so those are my four
2: so, I have a question about the DD-2. Yeah. Uh, if that's the first one, why didn't they just call it the DD-1? <laughs>
1: I don't know why, but they never started with, uh, except for the CE-1 chorus, yeah. they they didn't really use the 1 number. They, uh, the, I don't SD-1 know what was. and yeah.
0: OD-1. yeah.
1: But on the on the on the delay pedals, they uh, I guess they did make they did make a DM1. I forgot about that. They made it it was the same size as a CE1, the big cast aluminum frame. They did make a so I don't know why they didn't make a DD1. Maybe they but, did,
2: uh, but but the next version is the version they wanted to you know release yeah. and say, well, this is it. Yeah. You
0: know, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. But the yeah. Wow, that's DD2. almost a solid boss boss. Uh, selection there
1: yeah which which is kind of you know except for the Mastortian, yeah i yeah i kind of collected uh i mean i like mxr and electro stuff and all sorts of different brands but boss stuff uh was just uh you know to me it's like boss stuff is pretty indestructible it's i mean so it's, so it's, is. <laughs> it's, it's it's great stuff you know people will bad mouth boss pedals but it's like you know if you can't, you know, if you can't go and get a Boss Overdrive pedal and, an, and a tremolo and a delay pedal at a store, and you can't play a gig with those things, then you have a problem. Yeah. Then you don't. Then you then you don't know what good tone is, and you can't yeah. make it if you had to.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because when you're talking about shelling out money now, it's it's kind of like you might know that that pedal is every bit as good as anything else you're looking at. But you aren't getting a unique fingerprint uh, as far as, um, you know, like a a boutique builder. And I think that's where people kind of struggle, like, I'm getting a thing that I can get anywhere as opposed to getting something that I can only get from this one person or something like that.
1: You know, the the whole boutique business, I mean, it's fantastic. And I'm glad that there's so many options, you know, because in the past there weren't that many options. And in the 80s, it was kind of like you had Boss and Ibanez and there really wasn't much else. So the Boutique, you know, overdrives and all those things, I think those are great. And if you want to play those, just use your ears. If you like the sound of it, use it. But I'm just saying, as far as my comment about Boss, was just the fact that here's a pedal line that's everywhere. And if you can't get a good tone out of it, you might like the Boutique. You might like your Zen Drive or your... You know, whatever else, or your clone or clone copy, or whatever. You know, you might love that. That's great. Use it and make music with it. But I'm just saying, the Boss stuff is is oh, you for know, sure. kind of a standard.
0: I, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that doesn't have a Boss pedal on their board yeah. in some way. And the, yeah. you know, the other big bonus there is that if you are doing uh, a lot of uh, gigging with pedals and one goes out, those are exactly you can get them anywhere. So yeah, cool man. Uh, that's uh, that sounds like a, a pretty solid, pretty solid board. I like yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I'd, yeah. I'd probably add like a tremulator or something like that. You know, so I'd have tremolo too, depending on if the the, the amp had tremolo or not. So, right. but yeah,
0: excellent. That it awesome well thank you for sharing that we will have that out on the four on the floor blog post so that everybody can check them out and there will be clickable links as per usual and if you haven't seen the four and four blog uh go to our website the and look under the blog and you'll see all of our previous guests and their four on the floor selections uh, yes, I sound like I'm. I don't know what I'm selling. <laughs> i do not really selling anything. I stand nothing to gain. <laughs> I need to turn that around. I should. Everything that I am doing, should, I should stand to gain from, I suppose. Okay, let's get on with this, shall we, gentlemen? Yes. Yep. Power. Yes. Power. Yes, power. We have Zach from True Tone who makes some fine power for your pedal board. Power. Things, instruments, what are they? Devices, power devices. Power supplies. Power supplies. And the reason that we called him up is because I was struggling with finding the right power supply myself. And I stumbled on a video that did the best job of explaining all the questions that I had and ultimately led me to purchasing one of the products. And I said, you know what? We should share this with the rest of the audience uh, and and actually talk to the guys who, who know this inside and out. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over pedalboard power 101. Uh, Zach is going to go over as much as he can with us in the short amount of time that we have him. Uh, I'm sure you've had this general discussion, you know, several times uh, explaining power, but... I was thrilled when I asked you. You're like, yes, let's talk about it.
1: Well, I'm glad you asked because this is something that I wish people knew because this is something people call us about all the time, which we are happy to answer. But I would love to be able to just kind of equip people better so that they can
0: kind of of empower themselves to make good decisions. If I am just now approaching, like maybe I've had a couple pedals. I've had them like uh, daisy-chained maybe together or maybe I was just using batteries and uh, if I wanted to take a next step let's say I got a couple more pedals and I was like all right I, I, I'm, I'm getting into I want to do a pedal board and I go get a, a metro the uh, you know just gonna get a regular s- small power board so or a pedal board so I'm not using you know I don't I'm not trying to power 12 pedals or anything like that I'm setting up a smaller board what are some of the things that I have that I should be thinking about even you know before i pull the trigger on a power supply
1: so the first you know thing you have to look at is you have to look at voltage so it's like ac alternating current which is kind of what comes out of the wall or dc you know off a off a battery most of the time and then you also have to deal with voltage level so is it nine volts is it 12 volts is it 15 volts is it 24 so those those are things you need to find out. Most pedals take 9-volt DC. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so you have AC or DC. You have voltage level. Then you have polarity. you know, like, what's polarity? Well, on AC, you don't have to worry about that. But on DC, you have positive and negative polarity. And so you need to know what the polarity is so that you don't mess up your pedal. Or, you know, sometimes it will just not work, and sometimes you can actually damage a pedal by giving the wrong polarity power to a pedal. So you have the standard is center pin negative, and so that means, you know, the, the tip or the inside, you know, of the plug is negative and the outside is positive, and they will put this little symbol on the pedal or on the power supply, where it looks like a concentric circle, and one there will be an outside of the circle that will be connected to a to a negative sign or a positive sign, and the inside of the circle will have a line coming from it, and will have a positive or a negative sign to it, and that's how you find out the polarity of it. Of course, you could also find out from, uh, again, from the owner's manual or from from the website. So that's very important. So let's say you have a pedal. And you want to power it properly most pedals are nine volt dc and you know center pin negative that's Mm -hmm. what that's kind of the standard that's what boss pedals ibanez uh most boutique pedals you know they're 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 at that voltage level Mm -hmm. um you know so if you're putting together a couple analog pedals you know non-digital pedals Mm -hmm. you know then you can use a daisy chain and you could use something like the One Spot or the Power All or some other type of power supply, you know, on a daisy chain to power it. Mm-hmm. If you have a digital pedal in there, and it has tap tempo, and especially if you are talking about an Eventide pedal or a Strymon pedal, right? Then you have to have what's called isolated ground. Mm-hmm. You have to have an isolated power supply. Because otherwise, you will get a lot of extraneous noise. So you will get weird hissing that's usually and and clicking that's usually to the tempo of the tremolo or delay or whatever digital device that you have. Mm -hmm. And so to eliminate that noise, you have to have what's called isolated grounds, which means you're going to have to go to a brick-type power supply. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a brick-type power supply, that doesn't mean it's isolated. There's things like, uh, you know, the... uh, the MXR DC brick is not isolated. Mm-hmm. But then if you move up to their ISO brick, it is isolated, mm-hmm. hence the ISO name. I think um, it's
0: also worth mentioning that, um, you know, I think the reason that I ended up with the True Tone is that my, the first one that I bought, um, I've mentioned before, I don't have a, as massive of a guitar budget as I would like. And, yeah. so I got mine off of Amazon, and I was having problems with it and come to find out it wasn't actually isolated after all, even though it claimed that it, it was. Um, yeah. So you do need to do a little bit of don't just look at the title of something, you know.
2: Yeah, I have a, <clears throat> I have a Yamaha uh, chorus pedal that I've talked about numerous times, and it was in my uh, four on the floor. And when that is plugged into a daisy chain, that causes uh, really funny noises.
1: Yes. And that's yeah, and that that's due to just uh, some you know some petals don't like to share a ground with another pedal and it just ends up having, you know, noise issues. So, you know, for those, for pedals like that, you just end up having to use an isolated power supply and, and you're and and Todd's right. You know, there are power supplies out there that will say they're isolated and they're not, especially I hate mentioning names, but there's a company called Donner that, that will, uh, they do make some isolated power supplies. But they make some that are not, and they call them that. And so you almost you have to be an expert to know. And it's, But, you know, if they say toroidal, and if it's bigger, and if it has like a vent in the side, then that is most likely uh, an, an isolated ground analog style, in, in other words, a transformer power supply. See, now we're kind of getting into some other—we're just going to take a quick side trip to there are two types of power supplies— there are, digital, there are digital switching power supplies like the OneSpot and the OneSpot Pro, or there are transformer-based power supplies like the Voodoo Lab or like uh, the original Boss uh, PSA 120, not that 120T, but these are the power supplies. If, if it's an analog or transformer-based power supply, it can only take one voltage in. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it can only take 120. And it's usually and it puts off heat, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you know you have to have. There's country-specific versions of it, and it can only take 120 volts. So and
2: go ahead. Sorry, I was going to ask what the tone purists prefer if it makes a difference, the digital or the analog.
1: You know, it it depends. It, it all depends on on you know what you're trying to power with. I don't think that there's people that that say that. I mean, of course, there's people that say one battery might sound better than another, but I haven't heard people say that one power supply sounds sounds better than the other. I will hear people say that a power supply sounds better because it's quieter, yeah. because they're hearing the sound. The tone more and not the noise, and they fooled themselves into thinking it sounds better, which I guess, well, it does sound better because there's not the noise, the noise, but the tone is not actually not different. So, right. uh, okay. so yeah, so backing up to, you know, so you have the analog, you know, transformer based that puts off a lot of heat and it's inefficient, and and therefore it's limited by the amount of milliamps that it can put out, and so like a Voodoo Lab Um, pedal power two plus puts out about 800 milliamps um, or a, a a transformer based, you know, power supply that like a wall wart uh, puts out about 200 milliamps. And that's what you used to buy in the eighties and nineties, you know, like from boss and Ibanez and they put off heat. And, uh, but the, the, the digital ones like the one spot or like the Strymon Zuma and the Ohio, or the one spot pros those use digital technology and so they can take anything from 100 volts ac up to like 240 volts and they're going to take whatever voltage they get from the wall and they're going to convert it to 9 volt dc or whatever the spec is of the unit it's much more efficient it's lighter weight and it has a lot more power you know so so like a, a one spot you know pro like the the CS7 can put out you know it's smaller than the Voodoo Lab and has over twice the power because it's different technology. Mm. It's not limited by the weight and the heat being put off by a, a big transformer by you know which a transformer is a, a big coil of copper wire. Right, that's what's in your hands. Just, it, Yeah. And yeah, and that's what's in a, a, an old style, you know, uh, you know, power supply. Right. So so it's just it's kind of old school and new school. But uh, if you want to power Strymon pedals and, and, and have these high milliamp eating you know, pedals, you almost have to go to a, a, a digital you know, type power supply like ours or what Strymon's making. If you try to go with the Voodoo Lab route, you end up having to go with something like the Mondo, which is this huge thing that has a fan in it. And the reason they have to put the fan in is because it's putting off so much heat.
0: Yeah. I got a couple of questions that I'm going to throw at you and maybe we'll, we'll help get into some more info here you know when i got my one spot i looked on the back first of all it it is super helpful because all the voltages are are written right there but more information is there so like you have the ability to actually run all of your outputs on at least on the on the on the seven Mm -hmm. run them all at nine volt or select which ones you want to run at 18 or 12
1: you, you can select uh, there's one on it that is 18 volt only and then the others there's they're switchable between uh, 9 or 12
0: right So that, okay that's the way it is yeah, now that's the way. It, based on that, okay, I'm I know not, I'm just I'm gonna be the guy I, I know nothing about uh, electronics and uh, all the stuff that could potentially hurt me or or ruin my stuff. I'm thinking that well surely, 9-volt uh, is good, but shouldn't 18 be better? So, meaning, would, do I benefit by plugging a 9-volt a into an 18, or will that actually really cause some damage?
1: Okay, that is an amazingly great question. Oh, yeah! And here's why. Um, most pedals can only take what they're specified for to take. So let's say you have a pedal and the manufacturer states 9-volt DC. Most of the time, that's all it can take unless the manufacturer has designed it to where it can take more voltage than that. Mm. So if you take if you take a 9-volt Strymon pedal and you plug it into 18 volts, it will not work if, or it will damage it. Mm. So if you over-voltage a pedal, so if it's supposed to get 9 volts and you give it 18 volts – You will damage it unless the manufacturer designed it to where there are certain full tone pedals and uh, and you know there's some other pedals out there that are designed to where they can take anything from 9 to 18 volts and usually what you gain from the higher voltage is more headroom and usually this is done with boost pedals or maybe certain eq pedals but most you know especially digital pedals i mean if a digital pedal is supposed to get nine volts that's it you've got to give it nine volts if you give it 18 volts you are gonna if it has a protection circuit it just won't work if it doesn't you will damage and ruin your pedal and they will not and they will not cover it under warranty because they will say it was your you know blasted mistake that you plugged it into the wrong output right so that's that's a great question the other thing i'm going to add in real quick is you know you can you can over voltage a pedal. you cannot over milliamp a pedal. so because that's another question that we get a lot because let's say you have a, a power supply and the output that you're using is is five hundred milliamps. And let's say you have a, a an overdrive pedal that the draw is five milliamps. Mm-hmm. and you're like, "Well, am I going to hurt my pedal because it's five hundred milliamp output, and i'm I only need five milliamps right it's like no it's only going to use the power it needs as far as milliamps right so that's okay but the voltage it's not okay unless the and you you know you can find that out usually from uh you know usually from the the website or the websites of manufacturers you know sometimes they're like the exotic rc booster i think can be run at slightly hotter voltages and Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, the OCD is another pedal that you know certain versions of it could be run at 18 volts, and it and it, and it just kind of makes it react a little differently.
0: So I'm I'm the guy that doesn't know like what a milliamp is, right? <laughs> but um, that is important because above each of those each of those plugs it says 9V and 1000m something, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Now I don't know what that is, but maybe maybe if we're listening, if we're all listening now we do, I know that you guys have a product that essentially you can test your pedals to find out. <laughs> yes. Why don't you yeah, tell them so, about that?
1: So that was uh, it's called the the milliamp meter. And uh, and we made it uh, because you know we wanted to answer this question for people because most of the time manufacturers will not state what the actual draw of their pedal is they will state the uh, the specs of their power supply mm. so it becomes confusing you know when when you know like Strymon will say well this you know this pedal you know needs 300 milliamps when it only actually needs 200 or when you know line 6 says you have to use this 9 volt ac power supply but then you find out that wait, the pedal can actually take either 9 volts AC or DC, and then it actually the, its milliamp draw is actually much lower. So we were trying to make a product that would just kind of help answer questions. And so it's called a milliamp meter, and you plug in a power supply in one side, and you plug in a pedal to the other, and then it's going to tell you, it has a little digital readout, and it's going to tell you exactly what the milliamp draw is of the pedal. And then you can mess around with the knobs, and most of the time, uh, the milliamp draw is only gonna change if it's like maybe like an, an old analog delay or an analog chorus or something like that. As you turn the delay time up higher, it might draw a few more milliamps. But like a Strymon pedal, like a timeline, I mean it's it's gonna be running, you know, two hundred and fifty amps, you know, milliamps or something like that. And even no matter how many how much changes or changing the delay time or patch changes, it doesn't really draw more.
0: Right. And uh, from what I recall, that is—that's a pretty affordable uh, yeah. device, yeah, right? 20, Twenty-nine bucks. Twenty-nine bucks. So you could you could check all, pretty much all your all your pedals and everything, and actually really know what you're what you're using, and probably get a little smarter on the way.
1: <laughs> yes. It, again, it was an, an an object to you know kind of just help you know, educate people.
3: Yeah. Zach, I wanted to ask a little bit about the. Um, um, ability to use like European voltages and things like that. Okay. Uh, I- I'm assuming that would require a different uh, lead-in, uh, obviously, if you wanted to plug it into a European outlet. but um, I-, I really like the idea that you know if you were a touring mu- musician and you know, did some gigs over in Europe that you'd be able to safely power up your board is uh, I mean is that does, is what I'm saying right?
1: Yes, you can you can take in, any of the one spot products the pros or the standard one spot and you only have to worry about changing the end on a regular one spot and of course using you know changing to a different IEC cable and you don't have to worry about it. On the 12 it has a little switch that's actually for the 9 volt AC part of it that you would have to change from 120 to to 220. But um, yeah, otherwise there's, you know, there's, the, I mean, that's part of the strength of the of the digital power supplies in the one spots is you can take them anywhere in the world. You don't have to worry about a step up or step down transformer. You just have to worry about having the proper end, you know, on the plug.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the questions that I had when I was initially looking for a new pedal supply was I, I'd kind of reached that. That level where I said, "Okay, I think I have more pedals than I have supplies for, right right I could either buy one that has seven or buy one that has twelve, and I was like i I would need another board to put the twelve and my pedals on so if if I'm interested in in a a you know a six or a seven uh, or even i mean, you know let's just say six or seven output power supply, mm-hmm. but I have one or two more pedals than that what do i do
1: and you know that that is good question what you do is your analog pedals like your overdrives or you know compressors eqs pedals like that you can put those on a daisy chain Mm -hmm. digital pedals cannot because again they don't like to share ground so you can't daisy chain strymon and eventide and You know, line six pedals, but you can daisy chain, you know, OCDs and and Zen drives and tube screamers and stuff like that. And so, what you would do is off one of the outputs, you would get a daisy chain and you'd come off of that and you could power up, you know, a couple more pedals. And again, you know, I'm sure you, you probably have plenty of power. It's just, again, you just have to be careful about. Not putting pedals on a daisy chain that will have cause noise problems. Gotcha. And analog pedals are not going to do that. You know, again, your overdrives, distortions, uh, EQs, things like
0: that. Cool. Uh, now, what about placement of the actual, um, the unit? Yeah, the unit. Like, is that, does that matter? It, it
1: does when you have an analog transformer based one. So, in with a, I I, I hate naming names, but with like a voodoo lab or some other type of transformer-based power supply, Mm -hmm. you can have proximity issues with certain overdrives and wah pedals. And that when it's close to the unit, it causes noise. Uh The the one spot does not do that because it's a digital power supply. And so it does uh not have...
0: Yeah, (laughs) it it, it
1: doesn't have... You know, and and the... the, uh, the Strymon, Ohai, and, and Zuma are using the same type of technologies we use. Of course, we beat them to market by a year, but that's, you know, that's another story. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, the, the, that's another advantage of the digital power supply is that it doesn't have proximity issues. And the transformer, because it's a big transformer and it's radiating, uh, you, know, you know, stuff and heat, it can have Bad interactions with other, especially like wall pedals with those you know, inductors and things that are on them. And if you put it near a voodoo lab, all of a sudden it can go, it can get wacky.
3: So it's kind of like uh, it's inducing a magnetic field, like a pickup. Dump, yes, right?
1: it is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Hmm. When I was a kid, I my dad had a uh, yeah, like a, a PA system, and that's all I had to amplify my. Cirrus harmony guitar you know and and I would actually get a radio st- if you listen real closely to the speakers and to the amp you could hear a radio station the local radio station I thought that was always kind of funny <laughs> but uh,
0: I'm gonna put in some like old timey banjo music right there I think <laughs> uh, anyways what are some of the other things that maybe... Uh, somebody who's considering a new power supply might need to think about
1: well i think you know just knowing the demands of their pedals so if you can if you can write down your pedals and then you can know like what the voltage is and what the milliamp draw and polarity in those things then that will equip you to make good uh, you know, to make a good decision as far as which power supply is good for you, because you know if you have some pedal that, that only takes 15 volts and and it takes this many milliamps, well, that's going to kind of limit your choices. Mm-hmm. But that's a that's a good way to start. Is okay. These are the pedals that I have. These are the this is the power and you know and milliamp and polarity and voltage of each one of the pedals. When you do that, you can make you can make great decisions.
0: Do do. Um... Buffers or any other in kind of pedal in particular. I know you, you know we mentioned digital pedals. We mentioned um, like wah pedals and stuff. Like, is there any other kind of pedal that you, you should be aware of before you you know just go plugging them in to a power supply?
1: Yeah, you know, digital pedals, you know, don't put them on daisy chains. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about getting a non-isolated power supply if you're going to use digital pedals because you're going to have noise issues. If you're using analog pedals, you can, you can daisy chain and you can be fine, uh-huh. and there's not an issue.
0: Um, can, can we just touch on that? I just want to expand on that a little bit. So if I'm new to the pedal game, how do I know if it's a digital pedal or an analog pedal?
1: Well, most overdrives and distortions and wah pedals and such most not all are analog and usually, you know, they can be powered by by a battery and they will indicate that they are they are analog. Uh, digital pedals will usually state that they're digital or, you know, pretty much any, you know, and will and will state, you know, that it has a big milliamp draw. An analog pedal will have a milliamp draw between like three and maybe 30 milliamps, okay. you know, a digital pedal will have milliamp draw of at least 80 to sometimes, you know, four or 500 milliamps.
0: Wow. That's a huge so, difference. So
2: the larger yes, number causes the noise and it kind of breaks through. It,
1: it doesn't, it doesn't cause the noise. It's just, it's just, that's what the pedal needs because of the circuitry. And uh, it's just because you have a, a digital pedal and a digital power supply uh, there starts being strange things. So you could put a uh, like a Strymon pedal on, but the problem is, is that you you it couldn't produce enough milliamps. But let's say you had an analog wall wart. Mm-hmm. You know, like an old boss PSA 120 from the 80s or 90s. It only has 200 milliamps, but you could probably run a Strymon pedal off of that and it wouldn't make a bunch of noise mm-hmm. because it's analog. But when you have a digital power supply and a digital pedal, you need to have isolated grounds Got to prevent there being an interaction between the power supply itself and the pedal, the digital pedal.
0: Okay. Got it.
1: Um,
3: I can't remember on the specs on the Pro, but do you have the ability on some of your nine volt outputs to use the voltage to make it more like a dying battery or brown out the uh, yeah. unit?
1: Yes. Yes. There's there's one uh, on the CS12. There's one output that you have to you know you have to hit the dip switch underneath it and it turn and it turns on this little mini toggle and you can run it all the way down to four volts, and that and that's the purpose of it is that you know. And that's something that uh, Voodoo Lab did, you know, many years ago on the on the pedal power. Was they put a sag control, mm-hmm. and it's basically the same type of of idea to where you can, you know, kind of starve the pedal some and and make it act a little differently. And that and and that's only for like uh, for analog pedals. You know, you can't starve a digital pedal. So
0: anyway. That's a great That's a great point because there are products out there that, like, I mean, you know, we mentioned Johnny Balmer and Alchemy Audio. I mean, one of the things that he's kind of famous for is this thing called the dead bat. Um, and if you don't know that and you plug them into your digital pedals, you'd be <laughs> like, this thing sucks. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not supposed to work with that. Yeah. So yeah. now how about, okay, so if I have these all plugged in and I'm, I know that, that your actual product comes with a, a, a great supply of, of cables, and they're color-coded, uh, and they've got, you know, by length and everything, so it's great. Let's say I have to replace those or add some new ones or what have you. How much does the actual cable that goes from your power supply to your pedal matter? You know,
1: as long, you know, it can be very long. Uh, The only thing you have to worry about is there is capacitance. And so if you had a cable that was like super, super long, like we're talking about, you know, like, I don't know, like if you had a DC cable that was 80 feet long, it would probably drop the voltage down some from nine volts. It'd probably be closer to 8.5 or something like that. But Mm -hmm. otherwise the length does not, you know, does not matter. And it's just the, uh, you know, you just, you know, as long as it's copper wire and passing signal, then, you know, it doesn't have a short in it, then it should be fine.
0: Okay. So the reason I'm asking that is because I think another one of the, of the magics, the dark magics is, you know, understanding cables and capacitance and all that business. And I think people get you can get tripped up on that, and especially if you like, I just spent, I just, you know, spent some money on a great power supply, and for whatever reason, oh, I, you know, you left, you left them at a gig, or your friend stole them, or whatever, and you have to replace some of these or add some new ones. Do you? It's kind of like, do you put really cheap tires on an expensive car? Does it matter? Um, because you can get really overcharged for some of that, and it may not even have any you know, any significance at all. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I would say you just don't want to get something that is uh, flimsy as far as, you know, you just want to have something that has some robustness to it. Obviously, it can't be overly thick because then it would be hard to kind of weave around on your pedal board. Right. But yeah. you just want, wouldn't want to get something that was paper thin. But right. I'm I don't want to go into the voodoo of 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 power cables, you know, because that gets into a whole nother thing. Yeah, it sure to rabbit yeah. We, we so, won't do that. So <laughs> I would say just make sure that your power cables are, you know, of, of enough, you know, thickness to where it's not like it could easily get kinked and lose connection and all of a sudden your your pedal wouldn't be powered.
0: That's yeah. a good point. That's a good point. Well, I got one more random question. If you have a pedal with a battery in it. You know, like you got a boss pedal and you got the little battery in there. Or, I mean, the, most, most pedals have batteries, but a lot of them don't now. A lot of the boutique ones just skip that altogether because they know that fewer people actually use the batteries. What is my pedal drawing from? Is it drawing from the battery or is it drawing from the power supply?
1: The, uh, the pedals are designed in a way in such that as soon as the DC jack is plugged in, it, it is not drawing anything from the battery. Okay. But yet, if you have a battery in it, and as soon as the DC plug is pulled out, it will draw from the battery. Got it. Yeah. So that's what a lot, so a lot of people in the, in the old days, (laughs) that sounds old timey. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like the banjo music. (laughs) Yeah. Bring on the banjo. But yeah, it was, it was common. You know, a guy had a couple pedals on a little, a little board and he would make sure that he had batteries in him too. So if anything went wrong, you just yank the daisy chain out and everything still runs.
0: Right. Well, man, thank you so much. This has just been, it's been great. I wish I would have had this discussion a long time ago. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> a few hundred dollars ago. Yeah, it would have, it would have helped out. <laughs> we didn't bring you on to solely plug True Tone or anything, but yeah. I will say as one who bought it with my own money, I really like that product and I feel... Very educated about that product, which makes me like it more because I understand it better. I appreciate that from a product. So, just throwing cool. that out there. Yeah, thank, thank you. Yeah. Cool. Thank you.
3: Yeah, because there was a lot yeah. of really good information, and I think you cleared yeah. up a lot of things. I learned a lot tonight too. I,
2: I need one of those. That's what I know. That's what <laughs> I learned. Yeah. Well, you need well, to. I,
1: well, I really appreciate it. You know, it's, you know, one of the the hallmarks of of our you know of True Tone is we we want to educate people and we answer the phone so whenever you call us you get a person if it's during business hours you know right. you don't get a something where you have to put in a, a code or or an extension or anything and we're there to talk to people and help people out and so me being here today it's like i just want to help people and whether they choose our product or, an, or another person in another company's power supply well that's fine. But just, you know, I want people to know that, okay, this is how I can make good decisions so I don't damage my pedals and so my stuff, you know, right. continues to, uh, I can, can keep
0: using it for a long time.
1: Right. So well, that especially, makes me happy.
0: especially if you're just getting into the game. I, I
1: love it when people call and ask questions because I would rather people ask a question for me than damage their pedal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and now and it's just power. The, uh huh. That should be. That's a good one. Power to the people. So power to the people. Yes. All of the headlines and catchphrases are about to spill out of our guts right now. So I'm, oh I'm going to nip this yeah. in the bud. Okay. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? To our. Would you rather? Very well done, Jared. That was beautiful. Yeah. You know, okay. What do we got? Okay.
2: This week's would you rather is would you rather have the old opened in the back tuners that you could see the gears i think you the what inline clutches right any kind something like that or would you rather have the sealed version like things like grovers or shawlers or
1: i love i love this question because you know it you know there's there's a couple of things there's the aesthetic mm-hmm. you know point of view but also there's the headstock weight and 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 how it changes so like if you take an instrument and it has Cluson machine heads on there you know lightweight machine heads and then you put heavy machine heads on there it will change the tone somewhat yeah and it, and it's kind of subjective as whether you like it or not so it's just like les paul guys there's guys that go like oh i only want Clusons on there and then there's guys no you got to put grovers on there you know right. but even bases you know guys would uh would take you know like they would take wrenches and stuff like that, and you know clamps, and they put it on, on old P bases and stuff when they were recording because they wanted to have more headstock mass, because they wanted to move the dead area. Because there's on Fender bases there are dead spots, and so by adding headstock mass to it, they would end up moving the dead area to a, a better area. And uh, yeah, so there's there's so much, you know, having to do with, you know, when you start changing headstock mass, it changes the tone of the guitar and it changes, you know, uh, just some of the way it interacts and, and plays. So uh-huh. not, 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 not the feel so much, but uh, but yeah, if you take a guitar and it has Klusens and then you put, you know, Shaler's, you know, It will definitely change the sound of
0: the guitar. And and to be clear, Clusons are the open back where you can see all the gears working together. typical.
3: Yeah, and Cluson also made the seal or or covered back gears. Yeah. But I think when in this case we're talking about the stamped ones that. Yeah. Yeah. In this case, we're talking about a true sealed
0: like a Grover or a Schaller. And, And and so it's fair to say that most of the what would be considered vintage instruments. Would typically have had the either uncovered, uh, o- open, or stamp covered Cluson uh, style. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so go ahead. Yeah.
1: So I didn't answer the question. So I just kind you know, you know, so yeah, so of started. Yeah, so would you rather? Hey, so man, would he jumped you right you in. Is power. I, I will usually rather have the old style open back tuners, you know, okay. because I i like them i feel like it it, it has uh, a little bit more of an open sound a little more harmonic less fundamental and i know that's kind of getting esoteric and and out there but i just you know i feel like it's the right sound on an old telly i feel like it's the right sound on an old acoustic to me it's like you kind of get in trouble when you start putting too much weight you know on the on the end of a guitar
0: yeah okay okay solid tony all right, well, since I am a
3: product of the 80s in the era of brass nuts, sealed tuning machines, <laughs> brass, brass, mm-hmm. brass, brass, brass. all things must be brass. Shower. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I really did discover just through trial and error that you know, while the, the, the solution to tuning problems back in, in the 80s and was, well, you need to change out those tuners. Now, the, the reality of it is, most of the time, it was the nut that was right. grabbing the string yes. or whatever. Um, yes. But uh, the more that I played guitars that had either open geared or like a Cluzon style, I, I just noticed a difference in, in frequency response, really. So, I mean, there was a, a period of time where I took things that had, you know, uh, Rovers or Schallers, whatever, on it sealed tuners, and changed out and put, uh, you know, a more, a lighter weight, I guess, is, is a better way to put it, a mm-hmm. uh, tuner on it, and they sounded like completely different guitars.
0: Interesting. Um, I did, I wouldn't have put those things together, like, in my head.
3: Well, it's, yes. it's it, I mean, it, it, one day it clicked, yeah. and, and and now there are some companies, I think Schaller makes some, and Probably a few others that are, are shifted over to making really lightweight sealed tuners, and that lower mass seems to have a similar frequency effect okay. as, mm-hmm. as some of the lighter weight stamp tuners. Right. So, my preference, if 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 I don't have one of those, you know, expensive lightweight tuners, is I'll, I'll take open backs or or, uh, or uh, covered.
2: Um, Luzons any day of the week. okay, Jared: Well, it depends for me, but I will, I swear I'm going to choose. okay but let me let me share some of my experience here. I bought a, a 65 uh, Gibson SG and it was a standard and the the wrong tuners were on it and I found some new old stock tuners uh, They were. I don't think they were really ever used but when I got them the the crank you know you you turn the thing and it was super hard to turn the so when I opened it up when I cracked the the uh the box open in the back all of a sudden it became loose and it was just some sort of—I have like, no friction, idea. Like it was too tight on it yeah, or something. It could have been. I did all six of them, and they—they they worked like brand new after that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now they—they they weren't made very well back then. No, so, I mean a stamp tuner is definitely not machined to the same standard right. as
3: as one of the sealed tuners.
2: But my goal with the guitar at the time was to make it as you know original as possible, and I, I was going to be darned if I was going to you know ream the holes out for Grover's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But that's
0: that's my experience with those. So you're going with open? Nope. Oh. No. Aha. Ah. So see what I had to do. Real yeah, on a, guitar, on a
2: guitar that I'm going to take to a gig and play all the time, I'm going to go with the Grovers, man. Really? Yeah. I'll go with the closed they, Grover. They're reliable. Okay. On a Gibson. Grover on a Gibson.
0: Yep. All right. mm, interesting. Odd. Uh, well, I'm I'm kind of fighting in my head right now a little bit because I have some that I love to play at gigs that have open and some that have closed back. However, I have had them in the past, open backs, where th- th- because of what you mentioned before, where, like, everything is just smaller and thinner. The actual twisting peg itself is much thinner. The You know, and I feel like those just went out of tune a lot. Like chintzy? Yeah, it just felt a little bit like, and I'm not saying all of them, but because I'm using my guitars mostly for gigging, I'm going with a closed back, a solid sealed tune. Right.
3: I'm gonna hook you up with some Grover Stay Tights. Okay, now, now do that.
0: In, in, uh, oh, but, by oh. the way, our locking tuners is a, is a totally different. No, rather. these <laughs> are these are not locking tuners. <laughs> no, we'll get into that in a different episode. But, but
3: Grover Stay Tights are um, open backs, uh-huh. but they're I think they're machined to a higher specification. Yeah, and they the, to me those okay. work really well.
0: Okay, time to time to put a bow on this thing uh we want to say a humongous thank you to zach for joining us zach you want to kind of give us a couple parting words
1: thank you so much for for having me as a guest and uh you know i encourage you to go uh, check out the true tone lounge a show that I, i host where i interview guitar players and and of course i will pass along to all of our friends you know, about the, uh, about your show and I really appreciate you letting me be on it
0: yeah man you bet I, I, we appreciate you being on we will be in contact with you again I'm sure and we got to have you to talk about the, the actual pedal line as well so we'll let you go thanks so much so I uh, just got to mention a couple other things real quick we want to give a humongous thank you to Matt Brammer David Wolfson Martin Cliff and Tom Brazin. For their role in in helping us out, and they are they are executive producers, and if you would like to become an executive producer, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs to find out how. It's super easy, man. Yep. Uh, be sure to check out truetone.com and learn a little bit more about these power supplies that they provide. And look, if if you wanna if you wanna get into another brand. We're not beholden to, the, to, to True Tone, but they, they gave us a, a great um, understanding of, of what power is all about. So check out some other ones, but just be smart about it. Make sure that you're looking everything up and, um, uh, you know, m- making the right decisions for your power needs. Your ears will thank you. Yes. Right now we need some pizza, so subscribe! Yeah. Wow. Yep. Right. <gasps>
3: No. <laughs> nice, keep that in sorry.
0: Yeah. Hey Horton, anything else you got to add to the mix here? <laughs> yeah, you better edit that. Well, that's it for these knobs Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash knobs Visit our website at theGuitarKnobs.com for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.